Bossable podcast is sponsored by Neural Leadership Group Finland. I've attended their six-month brain-based coaching program, and I'm happy to have them as a sponsor because that was one of the best training programs I've ever attended. I took the program several years ago, and I still use the stuff I learned pretty much every day. Neural Leadership Group's brain-based approach is about using the science we have about the human brain and applying it to teamwork, leadership, and, well, basically any human interaction. It's solutions-focused and emphasizes succeeding together in an interconnected world. If you're tired of traditional development programs and looking for something different to help your teams grow, you should check this out. Go to neuroleadership.fi, that's N-E-U-R-O, leadership.fi, and mention Boss Level when enrolling to a training program starting this year, and you'll get a 5% discount. Neuroleadership.fi The responsibility process is a model to help you understand your mental states when something goes wrong. When something goes wrong, often the knee-jerk reaction is to lay blame. It's someone else's fault. Or to justify the situation. That's when you explain to yourself how the circumstances prevented you from doing things properly. Or then you realize you did have a role in things going wrong and you end up feeling shame. And shame prevents you from operating productively. Or then you start doing things out of obligation. That's when you say things like, well, since no one else is going to fix this, then I have to. Or then you just quit. You exit the situation. All of these responses are understandable, but not very productive. We should always aim for a state in which we can take responsibility. And that's when we own up to our mistakes. That's when we take positive action. And not because we have to, but because we want to. My guest today is Christopher Avery the man behind the responsibility process. The responsibility process is a model to help you recognize these unproductive mental states that I just talked about and help you take responsibility. I learned about the responsibility process from Christopher roughly seven years ago, and it has stayed with me since. It's one of my go-to tools personally, and I often use it with teams. If you've been at a workshop that I ran, you've probably seen me introduce the model. The model has been condensed into a fairly simple poster you might want to take a look at right now. The link is in the show notes. But if you're driving, please don't pull out your phone. You'll be able to understand the whole interview just fine without having seen the poster. You are listening to the Bossable Podcast. I'm your host, Sami Honkonen, and here we go. Enjoy the interview. My name's Christopher Avery, and uh, it's easy enough to find out what I do if you just search on my name and the word responsibility. Uh, you get some pretty good links on the, the first uh, two or three pages of, uh, of your search engine. I have spent my entire career, which now is uh, in its third decade, uh, trying to answer the question, how do I play win-win in a seemingly win-lose world? 
that has taken me through a, a full career in teamwork, collaboration, partnering, and on to uh, looking at personal and shared responsibility uh, in the case of leading yourself uh, as well as sharing leadership uh, with others to get things done. And in that process, became subject matter expert for a relatively still not well-known model called the responsibility process, which I believe is what I'm here to talk with you about. So sure. most of my work is with uh, scientific and engineering organizations, mostly uh, product development, um, large project initiatives, and, and organization change and leadership development. Sure. Uh, just to clarify, uh, let's distinguish between two uh, terms that are somewhat like in the same uh, field, but they're definitely different words. So responsibility and accountability, how do those differ and, and why, why responsibility? The important thing is that there's two big different meanings. And yep. one meaning has to do with what I would call an agreement around performance expectations. Uh, so that's the performance management process, the delegation process. Uh, it's the first tool of management. It's the reason we have organizations or hierarchies is because we have more work than one person can do. So we need a, a way of delegating uh, that work and, uh, and tracking it. Um, I tend to use the word accountability for that. And the reason I believe that word fits best is that the word actually comes from the notion of accounting, which means to tell a story, to record the history of. Um, and, you know, when we say, I'm going to hold you to account, and we call you into the office and we say, you know, tell me what happened, we're actually asking for someone to rationalize or justify what went wrong so that we can uh, yell at them for, uh, for justifying do, do you think that it would be fair to say that uh, that's like that accountability is something that is externally imposed upon someone? Yes and no. Um, so, you know, we sign up to be an employee and in our role or title, we get a boss. And then the, the role sometimes says and other duties as required. And so essentially we signed up, we raised our hand and say, yes, I'll take this job. But yeah. then we can receive assignments and tasks and other things that, um, and be held to account for stuff that we don't know how to do, don't know how to take ownership of, don't feel ownership of. So, so when you say it's externally imposed, I would say this, I would say everything that I'm held to account for, I had a hand in putting myself in that situation. Sure. Um, okay. In some way, even if I think it's not fair. Um, but it's true that whether or not you are held to account isn't up to you. It's up to whoever's on the other side of that performance agreement uh, that you've got yourself in. Sure. Um, so for me, accountability is a relationship agreement around performance. Responsibility for me is uh, internal feeling of ownership that's the other really important meaning where we use both words. So some people would say personal accountability to talk about that feeling of, of ownership that allows us to respond. And my word for that is responsibility uh, because the roots of the word responsibility is the ability to respond. Yeah, and actually I don't think, or I don't know if it makes it easier or if it makes it harder, but in the Finnish language, 
there's no like distinction between responsibility and accountability. There, there's one word that means both of those things. <laughs> so there's a number of languages: the Germanic languages, uh, Swedish, um, and uh, Spanish. Uh, they don't have multiple words. And some people I've worked with have have sort of apologized or said that you know they think that makes it harder. And and I say you know brother, I think it makes it easier yeah. uh, because. <laughs> Because now in English, we have to use both words to, to try and express our meaning. We say, when is someone going to take accountability and responsibility for this thing I care about? You know, nope. So we have the accountability and responsibility as a phrase, as a construct. Sure. Uh, why responsibility? Why, why did you like, get uh, so interested in that topic specifically? I think all of that wouldn't have happened without my own kind of uh, life pursuit, my own spiritual or existential uh, pursuit in my early 20s. Um, I realized that there was a severely broken uh, part of me. And even though I was pretty smart and studying um, communication, psychology, social psychology, sociology, organization theory, leadership, I wasn't able to fix this broken part. And the broken part was that I was very uh, demeaning, very uh, criticizing, judgmental. And I would not catch myself doing it until well after I've, you know, slashed somebody's uh, guts out. Um, and I didn't like it in myself, and I couldn't stop it. And so I decided that I was in a search for my own integrity. It was, it was a piece of my integration uh, that needed to be found. And so I... I sort of went for on a search for my own growth and my own integrity. Uh, and it wasn't until I found the responsibility process work that I had a really powerful tool to make the personal changes uh, that I wanted to make in myself. Can we walk through the uh, responsibility process on how do you, if you could just like, if you give a couple of minute introduction to people who don't know anything about the responsibility process, so what what is it? So the responsibility process is a uh, a pattern in our own minds that we've only recognized over the last, say, 30 years, that um, processes that's, that shows how smart, educated, wise, mature human beings um, process thoughts about cause uh, and effect, I would say perceptions of cause and effect in our lives. And that really then turns into uh, processing thoughts about taking or avoiding responsibility. So if we think that the cause of experiences in our lives is is due to things outside of our control or outside of us, then we believe that we're at effect. And that's essentially a victim mentality or a powerless uh, mentality. It says that my problems are bigger than I am. Uh, and when we see uh, systemically that we might be at cause or somehow we attracted or chose um, or created the situation we're in that's messy and we don't like, then we're actually in a position of seeing uh, what we can do to change it. In other words, that we're bigger than the problem, even if we are the problem. It's the first how-to approach for understanding, uh, taking, and teaching uh, personal responsibility, which you know, gurus since Socrates have said is the first principle of success at anything. Like as an individual, how am I supposed to use the responsibility process? Well, you're supposed to use it to lead yourself. And there's three keys to unlocking it and to accessing it uh, and to mastering it. It's important to understand the process, and it's really quite titillating and fascinating um, to realize that there's a name for why people are blaming each other and pointing fingers and telling stories and beating themselves up and feeling trapped and burdened. 
So intention is the first thing, and in, intention is huge for people who have ambition, right? So goals, plans, dreams, strategies, visions, purposes, that's all intention at work. So we learn to live more in, much more intentionally and intentionally at cause in our life, intentionally at choice in our life. So that's the first key, intention. Second key is awareness, um, which has been called the first key to change. There's a lot out there about awareness and developing self-awareness. And so you learn so much about yourself when you develop awareness of the responsibility process in you. And the, the first awareness practice, Sammy, is just to learn to catch yourself in these mental states of, of lay blame, justify, shame, obligation, quit, and responsibility is it's always going to happen. You're going to have thoughts of blame, justify, shame, obligation, quit the rest of your life. Yes, uh, It's how we cope with stuff that we don't yet know how to overcome. We don't yet know how to, um, how to handle that obstacle. The design in us gives us some kind of a buffering system where we can handle our, our anxiety, our upset, our frustration, uh, that we don't know how to learn uh, immediately how to overcome every challenge. Um, so intention and awareness are the first two keys. And the third key is confront, which a lot of people misunderstand to mean uh, to tell other people when they're not taking responsibility. But that's not what we mean. <laughs> I think that's one of the best like, best things you can do with the responsibility process. You can tell others when they're not being responsible. <laughs> yeah, that's called blame, right? <laughs> I, have some, I, I do have some good stories about that. But um, what confront means uh, is the ability to face. Confront is our first communication skill. We can't interact with anything until we can face it or confront it. And it turns out that uncertainty gives us a, a lot of um, a lack of comfort about facing stuff. So, uh, you know, we talk about confront as a as a natural ability, and sometimes our confront is low. We're not able to or willing to confront something. But all it really means is to experience your anxiety and to actually step into it, which is the only place where you can confront yourself and look at your own thoughts and beliefs and assumptions and find out you know, where the lie is that you're thinking uh, and what new truth you haven't discovered yet that would set you free if you discovered it, uh, which is the process of, of taking responsibility. So confront just means being willing to face yourself uh, and face the fact that... Um, you know, you don't have uh, a perfect model of reality in your head yet. So there's always something for you to learn about how you created shows or attracted, uh, you know, this problem and what you can do to uh, get yourself out of it. Okay. And so, so basically, if I try to sum it back to you is that we have the three keys and the first one is intention. And that means that it's kind of me just saying that I want to be more responsible. I don't want to take more responsibility in my life and, and in the decisions that I make and within my team and within my organization. Then there's awareness, which means that I'm able to catch myself, whether I'm like laying blame or whether I'm justifying the situation I am in and, and or whether I'm feeling shame or obligation or, or any of those unproductive states. And then after that, uh, I'm able to confront myself when I realize that I'm in one of these unproductive states and start moving upwards towards responsibility. That's yeah, exactly it. If listeners had an adverse reaction to hearing you say you want to take more responsibility, um, 
check the language there because by responsibility, what we mean is true freedom, power, and choice, the, the, yep. the place in our minds where we're truly creative. And often people say, I've got enough responsibility. I don't want any more. And, yeah. and that's a definition of obligation. In other words, yes. I have burdened, I have traps, I have right i have plenty yeah. of stuff i don't want so responsibility want that stuff <laughs> responsibility is something where you're kind of intrinsically motivated to actually be responsible you want to be responsible for these things is that right yeah it's our definition of responsibility which you can get on the back of the uh, the poster that you can download from our site if you notice yourself if you already have the intention you want to be more responsible uh you've noticed yourself being in an unproductive state And everyone knows how that feels. You're like, you often, you kind of feel like you don't even want to go. You don't even want to move away from it. You're like, I want to stay here and I want to, I want to lay blame. So what are your thoughts on like, uh, or ideas on how can we start that uh, process of confronting ourselves and moving upwards towards responsibility? It's again, it's why understanding how the responsibility process works in our minds and acknowledging that we have one in our mind too it's it's a thousand times easier to see it in other people's behavior than to see it in ourselves. So um, acknowledging that, yep, I, I got one of those is probably the first tip. And the second is to realize that there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, so most societies around the world, Sammy, have taken permission to judge people as being arrogant or ignorant or stupid when they are expressing blame or justify, especially. And one of the most amazing things to learn both about others and about ourselves is that there's nothing wrong with us. So have a fair amount of compassion for yourself when you do catch yourself, especially in blame, justify, shame, obligation. Um, the first thing I notice most smart, ambitious uh A students uh, doing <laughs> yeah. when they catch themselves is they get mad at themselves. And the reason they get mad is because they've been taught their whole lives that they should be responsible. So I would also encourage you to change your language from being responsible to practicing responsibility or to getting to the mental state of responsibility. If you have, you know, gone to school, uh, gotten a good job, become part of a family unit, um, doing your part, contributing to society, uh, you are a responsible citizen. So essentially you can say in our society, being responsible means uh, being good. Celebrate it as a milestone. Celebrate it as a marker uh, that you actually caught yourself in a mental state that doesn't produce, you know, that doesn't ever get rid of the anxiety for you. No. However, if you don't know how to move on, then one of my tips is to wallow in it purposefully, right? Okay. So <laughs> schedule, five, schedule five or 10 minutes with yourself to, to have a blame storm. Um, and what that really helps you do is it helps you access all of those uh, bugs yeah. <laughs> in your mind that you think are features Uh, and get them out there and spew them and, you know, throw them at the wall and vent it and get done with it and, and then say, you know, okay, now what if I wasn't a victim of that? And what if I was bigger than this problem? 
Uh, what do I want that I could do something about? The best question to ask yourself in any of these mental states is, what do I want that I can do something about? One of the things that uh, I sometimes catch myself thinking about uh, when I realize that I'm laying blame, I notice myself thinking that um, I'm actually not laying blame. I am telling them how they are wrong, and that is a responsible thing to do. <laughs> and 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 I actually think that, like, I mean, do do you find that there are situations in which uh, that that would be not laying blame, but that would actually be a responsible stance to have? <laughs> uh, no, not many. <laughs> I was, um, I was afraid you'd say so, that. <laughs> so my my mentor, Bill McCarley, recently posted uh, on Facebook, every time you are right, someone is insulted. Okay, can you uh, elaborate on that a little? I think I get, <laughs> get it, but uh, I think it would still be useful for you to elaborate on that a little. <laughs> sure. So one of the principles um, that's widely taught and that we have taught ever since we started our work in teams and partnering is to get rid of the language of right and wrong and even the construct of right and wrong and replace it with the language and the construct of, of that works for me or that doesn't work for me, uh, or I agree or I disagree. Um, and the reason is that right and wrong is absolute uh, thinking, and it's kind of saying that you're omni- uh, omni-intelligent and omnipotent and you know all the answers, but we all know that right and wrong is is relative uh, to the context and to the field and to the profession and to the family and, and etc. So to shift to a language that acknowledges point of view or acknowledges perspective uh, also acknowledges diversity of thought and opinion. Besides, Sammy, when you're telling somebody that they're wrong and here's why, um, sooner or later, you're going to be wrong about that. Yeah, obviously. Um, let's talk a little about quitting. Are there any situations where quitting uh, is actually a, a good thing to do? I try and stay away from the language uh, of good or bad, uh, right and wrong in terms of these mental states. They're all designed into us uh, as um, a very necessary component of, of being human. So what's the danger of quit? Um, or, or when when is quit useful? Quit for me and for many people is much harder to feel than the other positions. Quit doesn't have the recognizable thoughts and language that, for instance, blame or justify or shame has, or even an obligation. I have to go to this meeting. I have to do this. I have to do that. Quit is kind of that quiet, hard to notice. Uh, disengagement um, or avoidance of looking uh, at something. So I have a story about that for myself, if, if it would help. Sure, please. So a few years back, um, people had been asking me to, you know, Christopher, when are you going to write the book on responsibility? Uh, and people had been asking for a lot of years, and I just, boy, I had not felt ready yet. I didn't, I, I felt like the matter was so deep and so personal that I just didn't feel like I'd do a good job. And finally, I convinced myself that you know no one in the world speaks about this more than I do, uh, and uh, people are waiting for this book, and so we should make it a strategic priority uh, for this year. Um, and so we made it a strategic goal. I put it in my backlog, made time on my calendar, and 
you know, Thursday at three o'clock, it's there on my calendar, two hours blocked out to write the book. And I sit down at my keyboard and nothing comes. And I think to myself, well, shoot, you're the world expert in this. Certainly, uh, you know, if anybody can write about this, you ought to be able to. So I give myself some shame there. So, you know, I hover over the keyboard again, and now the anxiety is really coming up. And I look back at the company goals and at my calendar, and I've got this commitment, this obligation uh, to get this book written this year. More anxiety, right? So finally, what do I do? I turn off my computer, I leave my office, I get in my car, and I drive down to the local golf course, and I hit a bucket of balls on the range, right? So for me, it just felt like I was giving myself space. I was incubating. I was allowing it to to percolate, right? Except I did the same thing the next three weeks in a row. (laughs) (laughs) So you had basically, you had golfing on your calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I finally asked myself, you know, where where are you? Where are you on the chart, Christopher? And my eyes went right to quit. And I said, okay, so what is there for you to face? What is there for you to confront here? What's the truth that you're not seeing? And the answer came to me pretty quickly, Sammy. The truth was that I wanted the book written, but I really didn't want to write the book. So it turned out to not be a good goal. And we've done some work on good goals and good goals eliminate obligation. Um, and I was definitely an obligation about writing the book. And I'd put myself there. Nobody else had put me there. I put myself there. And so at that point, I realized, well, there's two ways to get uh, a strategic project done. Uh, w- one is time and the other is money. Uh, and that led me to the thought that there are ghost writers and you know, I've got tons of content out there that could be cataloged and transcribed and I could work with a ghostwriter to turn it into an outline. We can get an editor and, you know, the eventual story is two years later, I sat down and wrote the book because I realized nobody else could. <laughs> it was a... Okay. But, was, but it, you uh, you had more responsibility because you'd, you'd, you'd already tried out uh, all the other options and felt that, okay, this is, I think the responsible thing is to actually write the, write the book myself. Basel Podcast is sponsored by Kevytjuridiikka.fi. Kevytjuridiikka is an agile law firm that was built to rethink law and make it more approachable, flexible, and strategic. They offer modern legal services for companies operating in Finland and online. They take care of your mandatory legal matters efficiently and create innovative solutions for solving your business challenges. And what's best, you don't need to worry about getting a huge invoice. They're cost-effective and they'll give you the price upfront. Go to kevyturedeka.fi and send them your legal questions. Let's talk a little about the team level or the organizational level or how can we apply this um, outside ourselves and, and together with someone. So how do I use the responsibility process with my team? The greatest lever uh, for teamwork is if people feel like they're in the same boat together. So if the context is a context of Uh, to use some big words here, a context of positive interdependence. So what positive interdependence means is that we're reliant on each other in such a way that if I see you working hard towards your goals, I feel good uh, that my work is easier and that actually makes me want to match your work. 
and be as committed to it as you are uh, to move forward together. Most people in organizations have historically wanted to be independent, which means there's zero interdependence, right? Just give me my own job to do and let me do it, and I don't want to depend on anybody else. And the reason that we want that is because there's too much negative interdependence in the workplace. And negative interdependence is when I see you working hard towards your goals and it's making my life harder. So it makes me want to uh, resist uh, you and and your efforts. Yeah, and wants you to make yourself more independent and, and so on. You know, I literally demonstrate this uh, in classrooms or even on keynote stages by pulling somebody from the audience and putting them on a chair next to me and asking them if they've ever rowed a boat. Yeah. Uh, and they say yes. And I say, well, let's pretend that we're side by side on a rowboat and you have one oar and I have the other oar. And I start rowing and they immediately look over at me and they get entrained immediately. And we're now in rhythm, entrained in, in rowing. And I look up at and say, see how quickly shared responsibility works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, to get us entrained here. And then, you know, I asked the audience, what would happen if they looked over next to my right foot and saw a gusher of water coming into the boat? Do you think they would get their cell phone out? And call their friends and say, <coughs> Avery's, Avery's got a leak on his side of the boat. <laughs> yeah. um, no, they would uh, give me immediate feedback about what's happening in our shared environment and what to do about it. So there's this isn't just an interesting, um, for me, a, an interesting uh, platitude or story. But when we can create the container or the context where people actually feel feel like they're in the same boat together, the application of responsibility to teamwork starts with, um, number one, taking 100% responsibility for the quality of your uh, relationships uh, and productivity at work, which means be deserving of being on a great team. So be trustworthy and know how to work towards positive interdependence so that people want you to be a part of a team. And then that can lead you to actually be demanding. I demand to be on a great team, which which puts you in a position of learning some of these uh, principles that that are big levers in causing teams to happen, such as, you know, how do we get signed up to be in the same boat together so we feel that positive interdependence? How do we manage um, personal motivation and uh, and inspiration because we know that there's a, the law of the law of the least motivated coworker. So the the principle of the least motivated coworker says that any team performs to the level uh, of the person who cares the least on the team because we don't like freeloaders, and so we reduce our commitment. So how do we manage motivation with peers? Um, and then how do we build trust by making keeping agreements and and build uh, positive behavioral norms uh, and extinguish um, the unhealthy uh, and the negative norms uh, and things like that. So for me, that's the application of the responsibility process to to teams. Yeah. So again, uh, the biggest thing is creating the context, creating the, uh, trying to create an environment where responsibility happens. Would that be a way of saying it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so we talked about applying this at the team level, but how can like, if, for example, me, I'm I'm uh, working on building a new company. How can we create a culture of a culture of responsibility within our organization? You know, I've I've done a fair amount of work in building cultures of responsibility, uh, and it is a leadership issue and a leadership development issue. Um, it's not something that you can easily start in the middle uh, or, or at the bottom, and the reason is that the more responsibility thinking you create uh, at the edges or at the lower levels of organization or even the middle levels, the more that the most responsible people will self-identify themselves as being in the wrong system and they'll select out and and want to go find a better boss yeah. and a better system to work in. So if you really want to do a healthy organizational change, this is something where I'm always looking for Uh, a buck stops here person, uh, a top leader uh, that says that I want to adopt this for myself and then in my team uh, and then really share it out in the organization uh, as a behavioral norm as opposed to a fad um, or a, a new um, initiative uh, or something we're adopting as a policy. Um, and it's all based on one observation, and this observation is uh, that no group in an organization will operate uh, at a higher level on the responsibility process than the people to whom they report. So if you're a leader at any level, and if the way that you deal with challenges and burdens and problems and upsets in front of your team is to blame other departments or other teams or organizations, then they'll learn that the way to survive in this organization is to blame. Right? Or if the way that you handle problems is to justify based on the culture or the bureaucracy or not enough time or priorities or or whatever, um, then they'll learn, uh, too, to justify in order to cope with problems rather than overcome them, and so on. And so to develop it as a culture, it's one where we start changing the conversations um, little by little. And if we can get, my experience, if we can get 20 out of the top 100 people uh, in a group or a division or an organization to really start using this language uh, and trying using it on themselves, uh, then that'll be a critical mass that um, will spread throughout the organization. Great. Uh, actually, one way that I've been using the responsibility process within, like, if if I run a workshop, for example, or we're like, Uh, trying to working on strategy or trying to like come up with a new product idea or something like that. At the beginning of the workshop, I just walk through it and explain the process. And mm -hmm. that's basically it. I just like, I kind of get an agreement that we're trying to stay at responsibility. And that's it. I just leave the poster on the wall and I don't do anything else right. with it. Uh, and I think how does that, that work for you? It actually works really well. I think it has a huge impact. Uh, it, somehow the whole setting starts it the whole thing starts right when you do that so i actually use it very often in in the workshops that i run any thoughts on on me using using it that way i think lots of people use it that way i i've used it that way for years where you know i simply um try to set the tone or set the context yeah we all have this pattern in our own minds and we've all had enough experiences that we can recognize it pretty quickly Uh, and we all know that um, we we feel better and get more done as a group when somebody can get us back to responsibility thinking. So, um, I, you know, if I were to give you one tip about what I might change, 
about your language is instead of staying in responsibility, which is impossible, uh, that we practice, we do our best to operate from responsibility, knowing full well that we're going to fall down every time something goes wrong and we get to pull ourselves back up there. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's really good. Sometimes I also say that if, if someone notices that we're in, in, in an unproductive state, that you can just walk over to the poster and that's your way of communicating that we should try to move up. And actually, what's kind of weird is that that basically never happens. I mean, um, people kind of what I was afraid of was that people would start using that to lay blame. But mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Uh, sometimes people right. like or when people use it, they actually say that we are. They don't say you are. They say we are, which I think is much, much better. That I, I think that's a good thing that they say we are. It would be bad if they started like laying blame towards others. Well, I would congratulate you on that. My guess is that you are demonstrating and communicating some amazing leadership there that's setting an example and setting a context for that kind of response. Um, I have certainly done it at times in my career in ways that fired up people to immediately start using it as a weapon and hitting (laughs) each other over the head with it. Um, And others have noticed that as well. You know, today it's, you know, one of the early things that we teach is um, that if you're using it as a weapon, you want to think about where on the responsibility process chart yeah. you're coming from if, if, yeah. you're, if you're hitting other people over the head with it. And I actually remember when I uh, attended your training some years ago when you were visiting Helsinki and, um, and at the end of the whole two-day, I think it was a two-day training, uh, I think one of the last things that we talked about was how... You should only use the responsibility process to change yourself. Uh, when I think everyone was pretty much ready to go home and tell their significant other how they're like, what unproductive state they are in. <laughs> that's <laughs> and right. that really stuck. That that's, was really useful. <laughs> that's right. So I, I would say to your listeners that, you know, if um, if you've already texted uh, that person you dearly love and say, honey, I now know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're stuck in justify or or whatever. I'm sorry that you did that, uh, and I hope I caught you before you did that, because the responsibility process only only works if self-applied. Yeah. Uh, so it's a tool for self-leadership. And you know, if you're concerned that people around you uh, aren't taking responsibility, number one, uh, are you evaluating them as wrong? Uh, number two, is there really anything wrong with them or do they actually have good reason in terms of their perceptions of cause and effect for why they're stuck in blame or justify or shame or denial or whatever? Um, and number three, how did you create, choose, or attract this situation to yourself where you've surrounded yourself with people that you don't think uh, are taking ownership? And who would you have to be to show up differently so that these people would show up differently? That's That's what intention awareness and confront challenges me with if if i want to raise the level of responsibility in people around me i'm the first one that has to change thanks for listening i really hope you enjoyed that if you want to learn more go to christopheravery.com and check out the resources section that's where you'll find the pdf poster of the responsibility process Or if you want to learn more about the process from Christopher himself, you might want to consider signing up for the Leadership Gift Program. The links are in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening. Share this episode with the people you think might appreciate it and tune in again in two weeks. Bye.